Come on, if you need a breakthrough up in here, let me hear you make some noise. Habakkuk 2.4 says the just shall live by faith. But how does one do that? Live by faith. Let's find out today on another edition of Faith to Live By with Pastor Larry Millender and Pastor James Salter. Thank you for joining us today. This is Pastor Larry Mellinger. I'm here with my sidekick today, Pastor James Salter, and this is Faith to Live By. Good to have you back again, buddy. It is good to be back. Had to go out of town. Missed, missed you. Missed, actually, I missed our time together, but glad to be here today. Yeah, it's a little different doing radio one person when you're accustomed to doing two. Yeah. You go back and forth. I uh, did those programs last week, uh, kind of off the cuff. Well, I didn't have any programming ready, and you being gone, it kind of uh, put a demand on me a little bit here. Glad to have you back. Yeah, I know they'll be good, too. Yeah, but uh, as we come to you today here on this radio broadcast, we want to encourage you, hoping that every time we come together that we bring some type of word of encouragement, a word of victory, uh, some type of word of hope that will keep you inspired, keep you motivated, keep you moving toward the finish line in your life. I was thinking all day yesterday, I was thinking about something the Apostle Paul said. He said, I fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And all of us want to be able to get to the end of our journey and say, well, we've fought a good fight. We have fought a good fight. I've had people say, well, what's a good fight? A lot of times people think a good fight is only the ones you win, but a good fight could be one that you learn from. So life is a learning experience, and we have various experiences through our life that we go through, things that we encounter, adversity, hardship, difficulty, the roadblocks, the pitfalls, the obstacles that are in our pathway. God has designed us, Pastor James, and given us a heart of faith and expectation that we can get through any of those. Yeah, and I think at the the root of... You know, our journey as as believers, as sons and daughters, I think at the core of it, we have to be rooted in the the reality that God's a good God. And um, even the word says it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So I know sometimes things in life can affect us. And then, but because we're not fully persuaded of the goodness of God, sometimes we allow it to affect our faith. And I'm just thankful that we can be rooted in faith and in the goodness of God. And whatever comes our way, God knows how to use it and turn it around. Uh, like you say, it could be even experienced to learn some wisdom, to share to someone else to, who's going through something similar. So, yeah, God's good like that. Well, we were just sharing before we started recording here. Uh, oh, you've had something on my heart about being a whosoever. And in John chapter three sixteen, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Anybody listening to this program today, as well as you and I, our church members, they can choose today to be a whosoever. God is not a respecter of persons. And I think that's where people miss it so often, is that they think... And develop a mindset, well, I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm not the right person or, or anything that can hinder them from allowing God to work in their life. And you said it. I mean, I think you nailed it. You said it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. God's good to all of us. Mm-hmm. I was thinking back 2013 yesterday. I was thinking about this. 
June the 17th, 2013, I had a heart attack. I had a serious heart attack. I was at home working in my backyard, working on the riverbank on seawall. Had that heart attack. I'd been hurting for two or three weeks, didn't know what it was. And I had that heart attack, got in the house, Lane called an ambulance. They came, hooked me up to all the equipment, machines, told me I was having a heart attack. Ended up at the hospital having to have two stents put in uh, my heart. And I don't know, maybe about a week after that heart attack, I was at home recovering. Spent a number of weeks recovering. It, it took the wind out of my sails. I've had two. The second one was nothing compared to the first one. The first one laid me up for about six weeks. And I remember a, a preacher that I had a great admiration for, a great deal of respect for, still do. Older than me, uh, age-wise, but older than me and the Lord as well. Mm-hmm. He sent me a text about a week after I had the heart attack, and he had copied it. To uh, there were several people in the text, myself and some other people, and he said in the in the text when I read it, it made me mad. He said, "Well, I guess God's got your attention now." He said, "You're going to learn to listen to Him." And I thought, well, what does that mean? So I texted back something. Well, what, what are you? What are you saying? He said, you've gotten out of line somewhere. Didn't listen to God. Didn't obey Him. Didn't do what He wanted you to do. And He caused you to have a heart attack. Get your attention. And it aggravated me. I mean, man, I thought that's not my daddy. That's not my God that I serve. He's not giving me a heart attack. I wouldn't do that to my kids. You know, He's a good God. God's a good God. He didn't cause me to have a heart attack. The Bible says, Jesus said it. He said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you can have life. So my, in my view, in, in my kingdom mindset, if it's life, it's God. If it's death, it's not him. Mm-hmm. So I choose to have life. You know, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy, the Lord told children of Israel, he said, I set before you this day, Life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life. And in our journey of life, in our walk of faith, there are things that we have to choose because mm-hmm. they may not come automatically. You have to choose what you're going to experience in your life. Well, you know, I, I've always uh, reverted back to the passage in the book of James uh, where James denotes that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation nor shadow of turning. And I know many years ago, I really studied that out. And when it talks about with no variation or shadow of turning, at the root of that word, it means he's not finicky, meaning he, he is not going to be good today, wake up in a bad mood tomorrow, and our Heavenly Father be angry. He is, he is constant, he's consistent, and he's light and he's good. And so um, I have, I've learned or am learning to discern, you know, hey, is this is this the Lord at work um, or is this the adversary trying to take ground? And, um, you, you know, because it's, it's very important to uh, to know whose whisper you're listening to. And uh, yeah, I was just thinking about uh, any time I think when we're in position or in a posture to go to a new season or need a breakthrough or, or we need something momentum or momentous to take place in our life. Um, you know, it's, it's really interesting how the, the enemy will try to come and steal that seed, steal that word, steal that revelation. And so, 
uh, one of the things that helps us over overcome those tough times is we know that God is good and he does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And even of the most dire situations, uh, he knows how to step in and, and turn it around and cause something extraordinary to come out of it. So I, I like that about our Heavenly Father. Well, you know, here in, in John chapter 3, verse 16, it's one that probably the most famous scripture in the Bible. We see it all over sporting events where they'll have the banner in the end zone or in the basketball arena. John three sixteen <clears throat> says, whosoever believeth in him, you have to choose to walk with God. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the will of God that every man be saved, mm-hmm. but every man is not saved. I believe it's the will of God that every person that's sick be healed, but they're not. Yeah. It's the will of God for every person that's financially uh, broke to be blessed, mm-hmm. but they're not. And there are people who argue about these things because they have a mindset. Religion taught them one thing, and it's ingrained in them of what they believe. But I just know that God's good. And anytime it comes to the blessings of God in our life, you have to choose to be blessed. You know, he said, I set before you this day blessing and cursing life and death. He said, choose life. I mean, not only did he lay it out for them, what what, what the options were, but then he told them what to choose. I mean, it's the, that's the good thing. It's like you said before, it's an open book test. God gives you the answer as he's giving you the, the statement, yeah. the question. Yeah. So choosing to be a whosoever. Uh, I was talking to someone here a few months ago. Their life's messed up on drugs. I mean, they are, they're bound <clears throat> with drug addiction in their life. They're on meth. And not only are they on meth, they're doing other things that I think are attributed to the drug culture that they've been involved in. And one day they're in church and on fire for God and wanting to preach. And the next day they're at the meth house. Mm-hmm. They're out doing stuff. And and I said to, to them a few months ago, they saw me uh, in Caravelle. They wanted to talk so we I pulled over and we were talking there and I said there will come a place in your life that you have to choose Mm -hmm. what your future is going to be God is for you and not against you I mean the word tells us that if he be for us then who can be against us and I said to that person because they have struggled for years with drug addiction Mm -hmm. and I said change is not change until you change Mm -hmm. I mean, you can call it whatever you want to, but real change is not change until you change. And I said, if you want something bad enough, as we would say, or big enough, Mm -hmm. you will do whatever it takes to get that. And I said to them, I said, your your life's a mess. I said, I've watched you for a number of years. I love them. They're related to me. I said, I've watched you. You've been like a yo-yo. You've been up. You've been down. You've been in. You've been out. You've been on fire for God. You've been away from God. One day you want to preach. The next day you want to sell drugs. I said, there will, there is a place in our life that we have to choose what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Instead of letting circumstances dictate to us what our life's going to be, we have to choose what can be. And then we have to have the audacity and the willpower to carry that out. You know, that's um, <clears throat> that's definitely been something for several weeks now that, uh, you know, I have been thinking about and actually a couple or a few weeks ago for a couple weeks taught it at our joint Wednesday night services here in Crawfordville. 
but it's about just the the power of a set mind. Um, the older that I get, Pastor Larry, the more I am beginning to recognize and understand really how much power we have to bring about a different level of, of self-control and proper decision-making. And, and I think in, in this uh, thing I've been meditating on and studying for, for several weeks now that it really is simple for us to change our life. And we do that just simply by changing our mind. And it, and it really is easy to change our mind. Um, matter of fact, I mean, we, we both know this, but you know, when you hear the word repent in most religious circles or in most churches, in most places, that word repent to them means that, you know, I tell Jesus, I'm sorry, you know, and ask for forgiveness. And, you know, there's, there can be a place for that. But actually we know that the word repent in the actual uh, original text in the Greek actually means to change your mind. And so when Jesus came preaching the kingdom saying, repent ye, what he was saying is you got to change your mind about some things. There's been a system in place for so long, but I'm here, I'm the Messiah and things are about to shift from this moment forward. So you're going to have to change your mind. And so, you know, to any of our listeners, um, we to, or to all our listeners, we have the ability to change our mind about some things. And, and matter of fact, the last few weeks I've been catching myself, you know, something happened. My mind kind of wants to go right when it needs to go left. I've just whispered to myself, okay, just change your mind. Just change your mind. And I know it, it seems like a simple concept and it, and it really is. Well, the lessons you were teaching on Wednesday night were outstanding. I mean, I remember sharing couple of months ago at the church and I shared change your mind you can change your life from Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 I mean he especially verse 2 he said be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind the way you think is going to determine your outcome our mm-hmm. outlook determines our outcome and it's like the person I was talking to whose life is just a mess I mean I watch them day in and day out when I'm, when I'm around them, it's, it's like a mountaintop to the valley, to the mountaintop, to the valley. It's just been years and years and years like that. And um, I, I said to someone a while back, I, I, this is going to sound cruel, what I'm about to say. But, it, but it's the truth, and it's my truth. And someone had, had asked me, Pastor, like, pray, pray for me that I'll quit doing drugs. They, that's mm-hmm. kind of the way they said it to me. I'm related to them. They said, Pastor, pray that I quit doing drugs. And I said, I'm not praying that for you. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned to somebody while I was in there, they said, well, that was pretty cruel. As a pastor telling me you wasn't going to pray for them. I said, I'm not praying that they quit drugs. What I am praying for them is they, they have a one-on-one encounter, encounter with, with God. Yeah. And that one-on-one encounter with God will empower them to quit drugs. Mm-hmm. Me praying for them to quit drugs is not going to do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times we're wasting our breath, I think, praying that way. But I, I said, I will pray for them, not that they quit doing drugs, but that they have a meeting with God, a one-on-one encounter with God. Mm-hmm. And be like Paul when he said, that I may know him. And when they get to that point in their life, that they have that encounter with God. I had that encounter with God 40-something years ago. Mm-hmm. 
I was dabbling in the church. I had one foot in the church, one foot in the world. Um, newly married. I wanted to serve God, but I didn't want to give up some things out there. Sitting in church one night, the church, First Assembly of God Church in Carabelle, Florida, they were doing a Christmas cantata, had asked me uh, if I would handle the sound for them. They had a tape deck and they were playing the accompaniment tapes and the choir was singing by those things, the tracks. Mm -hmm. They had rehearsed a number of times. I was there for all the rehearsals. And it was first performance. They were doing, I think, a Saturday night and a Sunday night or three nights in a row. Back, back, time, back then, the Christmas guitars were a big event. And we're talking 45 years ago. And I was sitting over on the side. I had the little tape deck and I was playing the parts, you know. And I'm sitting there, the choir singing, everybody in the church enjoying it, places packed. And I hear a voice. I thought somebody was by me said something to me. I heard a voice say to me, get in or get out. You can't straddle the fence any longer. Mm. Man, I looked around to see who said that to me. I looked all around. <laughs> there wasn't a soul there. I knew it was God. I knew in my heart God was dealing with me because I had one foot in the kingdom, one foot out of the kingdom. I was saved, but I was living a carnal life. Sure. Um, didn't want to give up some things, but I wanted the things of God. That night was the turning around experience in my walk with God. I had made a decision a good year before that to live for God. And I was kind of living in and out of, of the kingdom. But that night, I knew the Lord had my attention. He said, get in or get out. You can't straddle the fence any longer. Mm -hmm. I chose that night to go with God. Mm -hmm. That night was the turning point. Yeah, well, that's powerful. Um, you know, I think we, we underestimate the pursuing aspect of our Heavenly Father, too. This is another dimension of His goodness. I, I know religion, the religious spirits pushes for us to, to get better and to get good enough to be accepted. Um, but we understand because of the, the, the love of God, we couldn't have ever done that. So he came and got us. And I, I love the pursuing aspect. And I think this is why this is a very powerful, uh, truth, Pastor Larry. Again, we're, we're so, I don't know, so works conscious. And I'm not saying that we don't have works, but we're, we're thinking the works is what's going to bring us to the end result where the end result has already been done through Jesus, which gives us permission now to, to do the works of the kingdom. Um, and I, I just, I, I know that if we could just understand that God pursues us and wants us probably way more than we want him at times of our life. And, and, and really what that does, it gives us permission, even in the middle of our mess to still be able to talk to Jesus like the woman at the well. Um, I, I just, I, I know that we just have to change our mind about certain things and understand that God loves us even when we're at our worst. Um, he remains at his best towards us. And so that, that just over, over, overpowers my mind. You know, back, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 years ago, I was talking to someone about people getting born again and they said to me something to the extent it was like a Calvinistic type of mindset you know they said well 
those that's going to be saved will be saved. God's already selected them, predetermined who's going to be saved and who's not. And I said, well, I don't agree with that. I said, because the Bible says in John 3, 16, that whosoever, I said, you get to choose to be chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus came that we could have life. He came. He paid the price. He sacrificed himself. He was what we call the propitiation. The, the, he was the payment for our sin. He, his substitutionary work on the cross meant we didn't have to go to the cross. He did. He did it for us. The perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God slain for the foundation of the world. He did that for all of humanity, not just for a select few, mm-hmm. but every individual that hears the gospel can choose to be saved. And in our life, in our in our daily life, um, we have to choose certain things. You know, we, we have to choose our outlook. We have to choose our our disposition. We have to choose to be positive or negative. Uh, life is a whole series of choices. It's a, like you said. I mean, the message you taught on changing your mind, phenomenal messages. And, and everybody needs to hear a truth like that because people develop a mindset or a way of living and think they can't ever get out of that. That That is a rut. That is a routine that they get into and they think they can't get out of. But then you can change your mind to change your life. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things that we, we talked about that is so true. Honestly, every everything that we believe and think, we've had to pick that up and learn that from somewhere, from someone, um, from some place, from some environment. And, you know, Romans is very, very clear in Romans 12, 1, how, how transformation takes place in our life. It's through the renewing or the changing of our mind, which just means that I'm going to let go of some inferior thoughts and uh, discover and grab hold of some superior truths and allow my life to be governed by those. But uh, again, every, every, every. Every person, who we are, we've, we've learned this stuff. And so that's good news because we can learn something greater. You know, we can transition from facts to, to truth. And, um, and so what that just simply means, Pastor, there's, there's no one in any place of life right now who is beyond the ability to change or experience transformation. Amen. You know, I've said this jokingly before from the pulpit. I think I probably even said it Sunday in a sermon on Sunday that the, the uh, advent of what we call social media, Facebook, Instagram, there's other Snapchat. There's so many of them out there. I don't know how to do a Snapchat, but I've just barely learned how to open a, a line <laughs> on computer. But Facebook is, the, is the, the primary means of social media today. I know there's many other ones. But you would think, being on Facebook, and I have said this. I've said it jokingly, but it's the truth. I said, when you look at Facebook each day and you see a lot of the drama that's taking place in people's lives you would think that that person never has a good day because of the, it's constantly, woe is me, I'm not going to make it, I don't see how I can do it, the world's against me, nobody likes me. It's sad to see the state that a lot of people lives are in mm-hmm. and social media begins to reveal I think what social media does it reveals uh, where well, people really are, are located with the Lord yeah. in their life well you know 
also what it's done is become a great vehicle to, you know, kind of vent or, um, uh, you know, complain, moan. And beg. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I use Facebook, but good news is there are some good voices out there that can and can and will speak life and hope over you know those that that feel hopeless but there's no one hopeless that that's the good news and um thankfully it's not a a a, a pre-selected type deal that would be a life most miserable um matter of fact paul put it this way man if there's if there's no hope for resurrection for everyone then, then we're men most miserable. This is. He said it's all in vain. Yeah, this is this is not. You know, this is it. Terrible. But what's very interesting, though, you know, as we, you know, we start out in John chapter three, beginning the program, that word "whosoever" uh, in the Greek it actually means anyone, everyone, and the total sum of all. And so really, when you look at it, every person that has been born through the womb of a woman is a whosoever and has the ability to experience transformation and change in their life. If they'll just make that decision to have a Jesus encounter and seek him. Matter of fact, I think it's James 4, 8. Pastor Larry says this, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh unto us. Um, he is a pursuer. We've already stated that, but there's also an element of us pursuing him where he responds. And um, and, and, and so I, I'm just uh, really excited about every day we can experience a change. You know, Joshua, we attribute that quote to Joshua so often we see it on plaques. It says, therefore, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. That is a an affirmative decision. It is a choice that has been made. Mm-hmm. I will. Yeah. We will. And I think there's a time in our life where we all come to those points in our life. There, there are intersections in our life uh, where we come to place like I did that night the Lord spoke to me get in or get out you can't straddle fence any longer there's a choice to be made and when we make that choice we get ourselves on the right track to yeah. with God well even even in even in our heavenly father's pursuit of us there does come a point in time when we have to respond does that does that make sense and the ability to respond and the decision to respond that's been given to us so that that that's where the, the the revelation and the truth comes that we can choose what kind of life we can we can choose to make certain kinds of decisions we have been given the ability from our creator the power of choice well choice is never easy um, you can fail to make a choice or fail to decide. And somebody said, you know, indecision is a decision. Yeah. Somebody asked, uh, it said that someone asked Billy Graham one time in a great crusade of his, I think there was close to 70, 80, 90,000 people in one of the big campaigns that he had. And they asked him, said, well, Dr. Graham, how many people made a decision today? And I think he said 90,000. They said, man, you had that many come forward? He said, no, that's not what I wow. said. He said, Everybody in that 
arena made a decision. He said it was a decision one way or the other. Mm-hmm. It's not just the ones that came forward made the decision, but he said all of them sitting there having heard the gospel made a decision. Some made a decision for Christ. Yeah. Some made a decision against Christ. Some made no decision at all. So the indecision therefore became a decision. So we want to encourage you today that no matter where you are in your life today, and I think we always want to end on on the positive note like that, that no matter where you are in your life today, there's help and there's hope. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, as long as there's breath, there's hope. And we see even in the experience of Jesus and his ministry, there was hope even when there wasn't breath. You know, God has a way of doing Things that we would consider impossible, he has a way of turning them into possibilities, probabilities, can do's, will do. So, we encourage you today that no matter where you are in your life today, to keep looking forward, keep looking up, because God can work in your life. Yeah, and just in just remembering, we're just, we're all just one decision away from from change in our life. And uh, we're the ones that hold that power within ourselves. So I do believe that your best, our best, is yet to come. You've been listening to Faith to Live By with Larry Mellinder and James Salter. Larry is the senior pastor of Church 360 in Tallahassee, and you're invited to join them for Sunday services at 9 a.m. and Wednesday services at 6.30 p.m. And find them online at church360.life. James is the senior pastor of Summit Life Church in Crawfordville with Sunday morning prayer at 8 a.m. and worship at 10.30 a.m. And Wednesday Life Group is at 7 p.m. Find them online at summitlifechurch.net. To hear past programs, look up Faith to Live By in your podcast app. And join us every Thursday at 11.30 for Faith to Live By here on Wave 94.